1: On, pop.
0: Do you ever do your introductions in harmony?
2: Let's try. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Give me a note. <laughs> we're we're overcoats.
0: That was beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for I'm it. sorry. <laughs> everyone.
2: <laughs> I'm JJ, one half of Overcoats. And I'm Hannah, the other half of Overcoats.
0: And I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. Welcome to Switched on Pop. So you are a musical duo from New York City. You had a highly acclaimed album called Young.
1: We don't know what we are running from. Hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, hey. Hey actually saw that tour. It was really fun. I was uh, really taken by the palpable friendship that you show on stage, the dancing that gives me permission to participate, mm-hmm. um, the really tight vocal harmonies as we just heard, and your really raw open lyrics that uh, you described to Billboard as sounding like a diary entry that you weren't supposed to hear or to see rather. You're here with a new record, The Fight. What are you wanting to communicate on this new record?
2: That's a great question. I think that the fight as a body of work is sonically a departure from young, and lyrically tackles the many definitions of the word fight. Mm. And so there are songs on the album that deal with interpersonal relationships and a fight with a significant other. There's a more expansive definition of the fight, meaning, you know, political, mm, yeah. the, the fight for representation. Fight. She raised fight. her
3: fist in the air for, I for the listeners. Thank you.
2: And then also the fight against one's own demons and anxiety and depression. And the record kind of came together because each of the songs that we were writing seemed to require a lyric that had the word fight in it. And so mm. every song on the album has that word in it.
0: Oh, is that right? I didn't I think so. Oh I, noticed it. oh, I love that.
2: I hope I'm not spreading fake news and then the <laughs> my album <be> fake news <laughs> I think every <laughs> almost every, if not every we yeah look somebody's going to fact check and yeah <laughs> out us. but sonically, we wanted more of a gritty sound. We're writing about things that are a lot angstier and more aggressive and and the songs needed that sonically. They mm. needed walls of guitar. They needed. A lot more live instrumentation than mm. our first record.
0: So, I want to listen closely to two of the songs on the record. We're going to listen to The Fool and Fire and Fury. And I think we're going to hear a lot of those elements that you're describing. To jump right in, let's take a listen to The Fool. I
1: want to be the Fool.
0: Tell me, who is the fool?
3: The fool is the person you don't want to be. It's the Mm -hmm. person second-guessing themselves and not sure where to turn. The fool, it was actually a song written about the tarot card, the fool. Mm -hmm. Um, And the card signifies taking a leap of faith and just kind of like letting all of your worries and fears go and jumping into something Head on. And so um, we wrote it in a time that we were not sure of where to turn and there were a lot of uncertainties and we were tired of feeling anxious and concerned about all of these things. And um, it's a song that's kind of like a call to self empowerment hmm. and community, also.
0: One of the things that stood out to both of us, Nate, who couldn't be here today, uh, actually called that He listened to the song. Is like, wow, this song has two personalities. It's both incredibly wise and it's also uncertain at the same time. And I think there's ways that we can hear that reflected actually in the music itself. There was this one moment that he zoomed in on about this little instrumental line you have. You have this neat little synthesizer line. It's like this nice little happy line. And then when it comes back in the pre-chorus, it's not so happy. It's like evolved. What's happened here? What's going on?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's really apt. I feel like the, the song is kind of about screaming until you figure things out. That's obviously the case with the chorus, but I think that with many of the melodic and lyrical moments in the song it's it's about just like repeating things until they become more certain and finding power
3: in uncertainty also um you know the lyric my road my home everything i know it's like this path is all that is your home you know Mm. it's like we can try to make things feel stable but really the journey is is the thing that is constant and Hmm. so just kind of embracing that uncertainty and jumping in to hmm. it is something that can be empowering.
0: I, I like that you use this idea sort of like, is something stable or unstable? And it's, I think maybe why our ears tuned in to that moment of just like this little synth line. I and mean, it's got beautiful lyrics all around it, but we're sort of like tuned in there because it starts out consonant and becomes dissonant. And the first time around, it's like on the, I think it's on the home note, the key. And then it goes down to the seventh note of the key. And in doing so, it all of a sudden becomes like dissonant, but stronger, like more powerful and assertive, as you were saying. You've arranged this thing in a way where the the music is sort of saying what the lyric is communicating.
3: Prosody. Prosody. If
0: you Ooh. Will. That's, that,
3: that word is the coolest thing, and it means exactly that.
0: Tell I mean, me more about prosody.
3: Like when something musically um, is communicating, right? Yeah. It's the same thing as what it's... Very well to put. Say. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody should Google this.
0: Let's check it out right now. Let's see. So prosody. Okay. According to the dictionary, prosody is the rhythmic and intonational aspect of language. So I guess we could think about it as like the way in which we sound the word invokes meaning. I think like a fun example would be like the song Stop in the Name of Love. stop has this sort of rhythmic spacing between the next phrase indicates exactly what it's trying to do.
3: We were writing material that was angrier and more disillusioned. And so the music needed to match it too. So we weren't like, oh, let's make a rock album. But we were writing these songs and we were like, these lyrics require angstier, more gritty sounds mm. to illustrate the story, I think.
0: mm Sometimes when we talk with various songwriters and producers, they'll find that, oh, I just did that thing because it sounded cool. And and that's a big part of the creative process for sure. You know, you're sort of drawing on all, all of your past experience and intuition, but it sounds like there is some intentionality going on in the sounds that you're drawing on here.
2: I think that everything you said about uh, keys and notes and dissonance and consonants means nothing to me, but <laughs> I think it's very smart. Um, (laughs) Thanks. That's not in any way how my mind works. I have zero musical training and so it is when choosing you know, the note that should play underneath a riff, it's based on a feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same for Hannah. Um, some of the producers that we worked with had more of a theory based background, and so it might have been more intentional for them in terms of choosing how the two should interact as the song progresses. But for us, it's always more of a feeling.
0: Well, I mean, I think that so often, whether or not you know, we come from a, an experience of deep musical training, or if it's more uh, something that we are more, we're more self-taught and, oftentimes the things that theory describes maps onto whatever the emotional experience, it describes totally. some other experience of music and is really just a, a set of tools to sort of help you find your way out of a, if you get lost in a knot somewhere, maybe that can be helpful, but mm-hmm. that it's coming from intuition versus deep training. I don't think really matters here. It just works. You
3: reached the same conclusion. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. So, all right. I want to talk about, can we talk about harmony? Because you're particularly known for harmony. It's definitely the thing that I was most stricken by when I first heard your music because you have a way of blending. You become sort of one voice, which is very powerful. I want to go into particular this one line in the verse. Some days I'm a warrior. Some days I'm out of my mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Verse. Verse, yeah.
1: Some days I'm a warrior. Some days I'm out of my Oh,
0: That's wonderful. Wow. What is that harmony doing for you all at that moment?
3: Well, I haven't really thought about it before. But trying to pick it apart now, I do feel like when J.J. jumps to that higher note, it's like right around when she's saying, out of my mind. And so that lyric also grows because of the harmony changing.
0: And you're staying in sort of a more solid, like warrior tone, In a certain way, like it feels Mm. like that there is that prosody. It's quite beautiful.
3: It's not intentional. Like it's intentional spiritually. Well, actually, I
2: kind of remember coming up with those, uh, at
0: least
3: the part,
2: at least that like small part, because, wait, what is it? Some days I'm a warrior, some days I'm out of my mind. So like you kind of slide up to your note and Mm. I am on my note and i remember Mm. us debating whether we should both match perfectly Mm. like we should both slide up together Mm. and i don't know why whether it was just sonically that we decided that it would be more powerful to like for hannah to slide up and meet me right i do remember that being a discussion that we had
0: cool i mean it kind of i feel like and you're thinking about the fool and the fool can have these like multiple personalities. It's like you're separating and then merging and it's mm-hmm. like finding its way, going down a path and your p- paths are intertwining there. Yeah,
3: totally. And, and that's, a lot that's f- why the song is is also like sort of in unison and then in harmony. We want it to
0: mm. show yeah. the layers. How do you go about working on your harmonies together?
2: I think it happens in a couple different ways depending on the song. Yeah. Um, sometimes... One of us will just have an idea for a harmony that's a little bit out of the box and then teach the other that part. Or, um, sometimes we have to like really figure it out note, note by note, by note. Mm-hmm. um, and and we have the idea for the melody but not the harmony, and so we sit there and we're like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um painstakingly
0: (laughs) the process of beauty is not always so but sometimes it comes very
2: naturally and you just sing it and suddenly it's in perfect harmony and you're like whoa i guess Mm. that must have been what was true to the way that i wrote that
3: yeah i feel like
2: it's it's
3: similar to the conversation we were just having about like theory versus intuition because like sometimes we have to rely on okay like what's the third of this like sit at the piano and like figure out the notes. And then other times it, it comes really naturally. And, and we try to even, you know, with our harmonies, that song, for example, like we try to not always be just in thirds, like mm. doing regular harmony. That song Scott, you know, JJ sometimes in thirds with me, but then she's jumping up. And mm. I think, um, yeah, just it to go along with what the lyrics are doing and just really kind of use your intuition about what, what the harmony is supposed to be providing hmm. um, because we have the opportunity when singing together as one voice to create like this complex thing within the vocals because they can tell multiple stories at, at one
0: time. I'm thinking now, you know, I've listened to your entire first record and I've listened to the singles off of this record and I actually can't know, do you ever sing a part?
2: People try to make us. On our first record, there's... Um, the verses of 23 mm-hmm. we sing separately honey
1: you full time job and i'm tired rescuing you need you to be strong no i can't be the only one
3: loving you he won't siren we do some siren. stuff siren
1: Live the broken dreams of all the others. Please don't pull me down. I think I'm drowning.
3: On this record, when we're singing... We just did like unison rather than somebody singing alone. Mm
0: -hmm. That makes sense. So often people are double tracking their voices and so you're your own double tracking in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. You really do in that way bring something unique to contemporary popular songwriting. Uh, You have to figure something out that most other folks aren't concerned about. So often vocal harmonies are there to fill in, to build something in a pre-chorus or something like that. But in sustaining them, there's all kinds of new narrative twists and turns and opportunities that exist. And it makes it sound utterly unique in that way.
3: Definitely. Yeah, we try to, we don't even think about it as like one person is doing the melody and one person is doing the harmony because we really try to have them both be the melody. I think The Fool is a great example of that. Like there's not one part that I think is more the melody of the song. We try to just be like who's
2: high and who's low. Mm. But also in any given line in some songs we'll swap halfway through the line. So what's I'm an example? low for the
3: verse but high in the chorus, like we we switch it around.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm staring up on my library this book that destroyed me in in school. Actually I dropped my music major because of a course I'm looking at Gregorian chant and sacred music and we were studying multiple multiple species counterpoint. You know, this sort of like older way of writing that really privileged the, the um, uniqueness of each melodic line within a harmony. So often in in pop music, a harmony is just there to support something. Mm -hmm. But you're describing actually a way of singing that uh, goes much further back to actually sort of pre-harmony when melody was much more important in terms of how people composed. That's uh, an interesting draw to much more older. And I think you even sort of talked about the way in which they're sort of like finding the right thing as a sort of more spiritual thing. And that the way in which you sing and try to create multiple melodies does draw to older spiritual music.
2: I think yeah well I'm not sure if it's ever been the case I'm trying to think like Simon and Garfunkel if one of their voices gets like privileged at least in terms of decibel I think Garfunkel
0: had the higher voice but I don't know I don't know Yeah. yeah
2: but I definitely think that you're right that in pop music the harmony is always seen as like just to kind of buff up the sound and like create a kind of ambience and when producers that we're working with try to lower the volume of one of our voices we go insane and we're like why did you turn this down they're (laughs) like ah i just this is what we do like Hmm. and so i think you're right that it is a little bit out of the box when you're doing music that is a departure from like folk Hmm. and entering more into the pop realm it is different to have both the melody and the harmony considered as like equals in terms of volume and EQ and, and having them ride together.
0: This must also speak to your relationship as well then.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all about yin yang. We're different, but we're equal. Mm. Um, We do everything 50, 50, like we write everything mm -hmm. together. Yeah. I think it does.
0: Wow. That's special. It truly is very, uh, very unusual. Especially in contemporary writing. Mm -hmm. It's my life. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this fabulous chorus. chorus for me is somewhat enigmatic it is fist pumping but also sort of like zen and inspirational and uh contemplative how did this come to be
3: this song was really fun to write i remember when we wrote that chorus we weren't sure if it was gonna be like a pre-chorus or the chorus or if it was maybe just gonna be a stand-in because we had never written like A shouting part before and we were like this is dumb like we can't actually do this Um, but we were listening to like a lot of bands that have kind of like this way of speaking rambling lyrics Um, Arcade Fire and LCD Sound System
1: and we
3: were like maybe maybe this is the new sound and this is one of the first songs that we wrote for the album and really dictated what the whole thing was going to sound like so. There ended up being a lot more kind of gang vocals
2: on the album, and we discovered the bullet mic. And yeah, that was a big
3: moment <laughs> that too. What is the
0: bullet mic for those who are unfamiliar? Um,
2: I don't know. It's like a small handheld, kind of older microphone mm-hmm. that I know the Beatles used. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very kind of like distorted and and sounds like a little bit like you're underwater yelling underwater (laughs) yeah we did we used the bullet
3: mic and we recorded a bunch of the gang vocals we also did um this other stuff where we put the vocals through like these crazy pedals and then through a guitar amp Mm. and mic'd that and just all like screamed into it (laughs) we did also standing around in a circle around a mic and stomping and clapping and screaming it's a bunch of a bunch of layers but yeah it was a, really fun you
0: had a lot of fun recording this yeah and this movement into the chorus here has one of my favorite moments in the entire song and actually you were play acting it earlier that's a very nice little drum song <laughs> i'm
3: glad you <laughs> like it because it almost didn't make the song, yeah. Our producer Justin Raisin really wanted that in there, and we hated it. So, and we we had a, a a different drum fill in there from when we first wrote the song that was
2: just like your classic, like
1: do 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 do
3: And he was like,
2: "No, this is way." <laughs> it cooler. sounded like the theme song from a British sitcom, <laughs> you know, a, our one, <gasps> like kind of eighties. Yeah. yeah, It was like
1: do
3: um, do 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 But then we we grew to love it, and now. Now I play acted every time we sing it live.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I think I, I had registered that this was coming from the tarot card, The Fool. What is the image of that card?
3: It's a person literally like leaping off a cliff.
0: <laughs> this drum solo sounds like it's leaping off a cliff. It's like yes, a little yeah. uncertain. It's like not perfectly in time. It's like... And du- then du- you're
2: like, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
0: into the chorus, <laughs> yeah. you are know, like shouting, jumping off a yeah. cliff. It's a beautiful yeah. thing.
2: And I think that at least lyrically... Yelling the things that we yell in the chorus felt very cathartic because we had just toured our album for two years mm. and we're finally back in the studio and yelling things that don't make total sense, but but sort of are can be parsed out to mean touring mm. felt important to us. And so my road, and mm. then my home, mm. my road being my home, everything I know, is this all there is? Is this everything? This is everything. Mm. This is all I know. It was very therapeutic Mm. and it still is.
0: Sort of to that journal entry kind of narrative, I think this really allows anybody to also just like, this is my road, this is my home. It's both incredibly personal to you.
2: And universal, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a wonderful outro where this like really becomes uh, collective protests. but don't listen to it. Allergies suck, but a good nasal spray makes all the difference. I personally learned that I suffer from adult onset allergies and it's a real bummer, but a good allergy med makes all the difference for my ability to go out in the springtime to smell magnolias, my favorite flower. If you also want relief quickly to get back to breathing in the spring air, you can try Astapro. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. And it starts working in just 30 minutes. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use is directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due
4: to allergies. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> I love Fire and Fury. I want to start out right at the beginning and check out the verse.
1: Oh, I'm wild for you, baby. Won't you take me home tonight? Cause I can't stand these people, oh. I've been thinking lately, the world as not know it is coming to an end.
0: Is there a story behind this song?
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: this What's song the- went through just to start off many iterations Almost didn't make the album, also almost didn't make the album. That would but have been a shame. It would have. It started off as just that verse, and it was called Wild, hmm. and it was just guitar and vocals, kind of what you're hearing mm-hmm. in this version.
0: Because this song will change as we listen to For it will. parts. Yeah. Um,
2: and it will. And it is about feeling very disillusioned with kind of party culture that we were witnessing, but also with like our generation as a whole Mm. obsession with technology and social media and vanity and wanting your partner or the person that you came to the party with to leave with you Mm. and wanting them to also reject this culture um and feeling frustrated that they won't um Mm. and so that's where the song starts and it kind of expands
0: let's go there let's go there let's
2: expand so it starts in this
3: kind of microcosm world of a party. Um
0: What is the very even first thing though? We got a match strike.
3: Yes. Higher. <laughs> like you're about to burn it all down. Oh. I'm wild for you baby. It starts like you're at this party, you're feeling very isolated, your partner is nowhere to be found. I hate you're this tired party. of the people. Yeah, it's a
2: terrible party. Like,
3: and then it kind of expands the way that anxiety does, where it starts off about something very real and then turns into major existential thoughts about your entire life. So it kind of follows that pattern. So it starts, you're at a party, but then you're like, wait, the whole world is going to hell. Which <laughs> is not untrue. No, and it's not. Let's hear um, that. Let's hear mind. it. Sure. Oh. <laughs> I've been thinking lately
1: the world as a know it's coming to an end. So just stop and say something. Do you see what I see? I've been fighting, but you're still at the party. Is this the part where you don't even know me at all? Oh.
0: So is this what's going on for you, or what's going on in the world? Or both. It's, both. it's both. It's both. It's both. It's both. Because
3: I, – and I think that's a really important part of our writing process as we try to figure out the ways that our stupid little lives can relate mm. to everybody else's um, and figuring out, okay, what are what are the things that we're going through that can be kind of explained as bigger themes? Mm. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of about this one person and then it grows into –
0: fascism and climate change and all the things that are wrong Precisely. <laughs> exactly
3: exactly um and just sort of seeing just like having a moment where you just feel really existentially upset and you're seeing the like corruption and all of the negative things in the world and just sort of reckoning with them
0: hmm. i feel like this comes to a head in i guess it's like almost like a down chorus That's some bullet mic going on there or something? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's what... Sure, I exactly. But I didn't know that until earlier, just, you know, just chatting <laughs> with you. But um, this is a different kind of harmony for you all. This is saying something very different than I'm used to hearing.
3: Yeah, well, the, I think the cool part about that is it mirrors that movement that we're talking about where it's really small and individual and then it gets really big and louder mm. and heavier. Yeah, a bit of screaming going on in there. A bit
2: of whispering into a bit of screaming. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that... Dynamically, this song is really special for us. I I can't think of a song on our first record where we went so dramatically from like one way of singing to another within one song, and I feel like this really captures the breadth of the way that we want to use our voices on this album. And so it's like a very intimate acapella moment where we're whispering there's a fire there's a fury and it's ominous and then by the end we're screaming and it's singing in parts that are way too high for our voices <laughs> um but i feel like it it's kind of sorry to use your same word but a microcosm of what the album as a whole is in terms of the way that we used our singing voices to translate the messages.
3: Yeah, I think as well because harmony is literally like two halves becoming a whole. I think because there's this feeling of like wholeness and satisfaction from when we sing together, we like – have to really work hard to find these other ways of making tension within the music and I think that this is a cool moment where you really palpably feel that tension even though we're still singing in like this beautiful like Mm. harmony
0: Mm. the song I feel offers some hope this is this is really the one that more than anything for me that which turns into like I, I this is like an anthem this is gonna be sung by hundreds of people thousands of people at a time I just I love what's going on here in this outro Talk about getting through it.
3: Yeah. I was just noticing something when we were listening to that, which I think has been important to us since our first record, which is like the meaning of repetition. Yeah. Um, I think we often use repetition as a way of saying something until you believe it. Hmm. And I think that's very true for this song as well. You know, you're we're singing, there's a fire, there's a fury, there's like such dread, and it feels like apocalyptic but the more you say we'll get through it and the more voices join in it starts to feel true and starts to feel hopeful and
0: that gave me chills oh
3: good
2: (laughs) yeah we had a discussion actually with each other because I think that our first record was kind of dark some of the themes that we sang about on our first record like effed me up and we talked in in the months that we were working on this album about how we actually have a responsibility as musicians who have a group of listeners now that we have a responsibility to provide hope as well as talking about the real shit that's happening mm. and how bleak it is. Um, and that that's something we want to do because we have to sing these songs every night on yeah. tour. And I think that... That was really important in a lot of the songs on the record that they kind of break your heart, but then they put it back together <laughs> and that there's a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: I like the, the framing, especially of how you say it really matters, but both for yourselves and as a listener, because if you're like, there's a fire and a fury, and we'll get through it. I'm like, oh, that is a cheap, <laughs> like, that is a nice happy ending stamp, like rewriting the Romeo and Juliet kind of story, mm-hmm. right? But... I definitely did feel convinced of it as, as, as you framed it. I'm so excited to hear that live and see how do people participate. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you actually are building that movement. And the only way that we get through things is you build more people into it. Right. So right definitely. on. Are there other themes and topics that you're excited for people to explore on this album?
3: There's a lot of interesting stuff about politics, I think, that you can read in a lot of these songs. Climate change in particular with Fire and Fury. Mm. We got into some more complex ways of thinking about
2: sexism and feminism on this record, especially within the music industry. Yeah. Mm.
0: Can you speak um, more to that?
2: Yeah, there, uh, well, there's one song in particular, but um, a few of them deal with kind of these very latent microaggressions that occur in the music industry and recording world Um, and so it was very meta because we were writing these songs and some of these lyrics as we were in the studio with certain people Mm. and just honestly observing what was happening and and there's a lot of good intentions right now Mm -hmm. out there especially since the Me Too movement where people have been exposing kind of the more blatant I guess forms of sexism within the entertainment industry but there's so much built in that like you wouldn't call out. But it, in in one song in particular, the verse is just talking about how we often go into sessions and get treated like top line writers where right. it's not – Hannah who plays guitar and has played guitar for a decade is not handed a guitar. Um, and it's assumed and presumed that a male player in the room or – not in the room, will be brought in to do that work. Um, And so just these assumptions. It's not malicious. It's It's not
3: malicious. often an oversight, but it's Mm. one that has happened so many times that you start to see the pattern. Mm. Um, So little things like that (laughs) I think we got to uh, play with, especially as we have grown up into women-ish, we're women-ish, and just sort of being adults in the world. Because our first record, you know, we were more – we were more girls. Yeah. We were writing a lot of those songs when we Boys were like to men. 18, mm-hmm. 19. Um, so I think we were able to think about some more complex to reflect ways. reflect on it, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, what else? I think, yeah, as, as Hannah mentioned, a lot in the political realm, it was important to note that we began writing this record in the year that Trump was elected. Um, and so a lot of that and the kind of war on women's bodies that was waged and— Basically like a national divide and sort of deep rift that people didn't comprehend was happening really impacted the way we were writing and the way that we wanted to join people together with things that we're saying. And so that made its way in.
0: I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for this kind of a record. Well, here it is. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) Yeah. When and where can people find your record?
3: They can find it on March 6th. Um, Everywhere that you find music, Uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Amazon, everywhere. It Um, will also be available physically
2: on vinyl mm -hmm. and CD form.
3: And we've got four songs from the record already out now, which are The Fool, Fire and Fury, Leave If You Wanna, and Keep the Faith, and those are all available.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing uh, very honestly the details of your music making process and a very powerful message that you have to share. really appreciate it.
2: Thank 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 you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Switched on pop is me, Charlie Harding, Nate Sloan, Bridget Armstrong, Megan Lubin, Brandon McFarlane, Iris Gottlieb. Abigail Barr, Nishat kurwa and Liz Nelson. We are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, Nate's going to be back again next week with another really great, fun show. If you want to chat with us, you can find us at Switched On Pop on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all of our back catalog on SwitchedOnPop.com. We'll be back again next week with my buddy Nate. And until then, thanks for listening.